This episode of Harmonious Gentlemen is brought to you by Blind Man Brewing, makers of delicious craft beer in beautiful Lacombe, Alberta. Say hi to Hans, or are we sure it's not Hans? Hans? Well, if podcast episodes were the number of days the Mohawk Nation had a standoff with the Canadian military, RCMP, and Quebec police near Oka, Quebec, you would know this has to be episode 78 of The Harmonious Gentleman. The Oka Crisis. The Oka Crisis. Peter, you're an American. Have you heard of the Oka Crisis? I, I feel horrible, but no. Oh, I think it was in 1990 or 91, somewhere around there. Uh, big blockade of roads and a standoff between a first nation and Quebec and the Canadian government. It was pretty serious stuff. Yeah. 78 days. 78 days. Wow. Mm. Well, I'm, uh, I'm Graham. Mm-hmm. I'm Chris. Mm. I'm Tyler. And I'm Peter. Peter, welcome back. It's good to be back. Oh my gosh. I missed you. It's, it's been, been a long, long time. We should hug, but there's mics in the way, but it's good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. Yeah. We're actually recording in Peter's home this evening, which is quite a treat. Yeah, this is a new location. Yeah. It's good to have you guys here. Yeah. Got my neat whiskey here. Got my neat friend, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> One drop of water. And I think we have some neat emails, Tyler. Yeah, it's from, we got a, a few, but I'll read one from Sherilyn. It's called uh, Another Post-Death Body Care Idea! <laughs> Exclamation mark. I've been in the cremation camp, which is kind of a little startling. Hmm, yeah. I've been in the cremation camp, but then I heard Chris's mushroom suit idea, and that appeals to me. But now, check this out. And then there's a link, and I was just previewing it. Um, it's it's a look at aquamation cremation. So it's like aquamation cremation by water instead of fire. Before you tell us how, what that is, can we each guess what we think aquamation is? Sure. They blast high jets of water at your body, <laughs> and you disintegrate. <laughs> Graham, what do you think? I think, you know, when you're in the bath for a long time, you get all wrinkly. <laughs> you just stay in way they longer than that. You. And you just keep yeah. float away. You just wrinkle into oblivion. I, yeah, I thought I was just putting the body into the ocean and letting the animals take it. Oh. But that's, oh. uh, that's the most reasonable. Yeah, that's the coolest one. Well, I think Graham is actually the closest. But it is basically, yeah, your body decomposes in a pool of water, but it's... Water mixed with an alkali. Okay. So, such as potassium hydroxide. Yeah. It's dissolving you in acid, basically. Yeah. So, this is already yeah. what the mob does, and this is now they're <laughs> yeah. just <laughs> marketing it they as like it. earth friendly. <laughs> they mod- yeah. Cool. Jeez. I think it's kind of cool. All right. Is there a cost? Like, can you add that service to a cart and see how much it costs on the website? Well, you guys are going to have to give me time to read the whole full article <laughs> okay, here, but we'll, we'll come back. No, I think it's, it is, uh, yeah, just that there's more than just the, being buried in the ground and yeah. being burned by fire. So yeah. as a pastor, should I be recommending this? Like, What do you recommend um, now? What do I recommend What do you now? want to happen <laughs> to your deceased body when you die? Like, are you, Do you have a plan for that? Uh, I haven't really thought of it. Yeah. And I don't really care. Hmm. Yeah. But so. at some point, it's going to be somebody else's problem. So what yeah. should they do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're asking what we should do, Peter. Let oh, us know. boy. Okay, this is a little more, a morbid start. What was that other Thank email? Thank you, Sherilyn. <laughs> By the way, great listener, Sherilyn. What yeah, a, she is. Yeah, amazing. 
Did we want to read another one? Yeah, oh, sorry. Maybe, maybe one. I think maybe Andy we had a pretty cool one. I always like hearing from Andy. All right. This one's from Andy, and it's a recommendation. And it's actually like a three-part recommendation. First part, offer to take older children to the park while youngest naps so wife can also nap. Mm-hmm. Second part, sit on bench in the sunshine and enjoy the October sunshine whilst listening to a fascinating episode about the Mormon church while keeping half an eye on the kids. And third part, realize it is now two hours later (laughs) and rush home to make supper. (laughs) Nice. That's good. Yeah. And then he says, thanks gents for a very enjoyable afternoon. Cool. Thanks Andy for letting us know how you listen to the episode. Andy, I think deserves a sticker for that. Oh, many, maybe more than one sticker. Um, Tyler, maybe we'll save that news. We have sticker news. We'll save it though for yeah. a moment here. Yeah. Awesome. So we're here to talk with Peter tonight. Um, we'll get to that in just a little bit. But once again, Peter, thank you for having us. Mm-hmm. And do you have a recommendation for us? I do. Well, then let's just take a pause. These recommendations are brought to you by Cilantro and Chive, spreading the love while serving up mouth-watering dishes and good times. So I'm, I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to jump right into it. I recommend stickers. Right. Oh, man. Um, I'm looking at my phone right now. I've got a, a beautiful sticker from one of our sponsors, 5024 General Store. And I've always really liked it. Um, I nice. put it on my phone. I put stickers on my water bottle. I have a clipboard at school. Stickers are great. Um, and related note, our our podcast made some beautiful stickers. Brand Chris new. Drew. Mm-hmm. Um, Heidi designed. Yeah. Chris drew some pictures of our faces and Heidi designed beautiful stickers out of those drawings. So they look great. They feel great. They stick great. Oh, good. And actually that's actually one of the most important parts, (laughs) (laughs) but we, uh, if you, yeah, I think they look great. Um, Guys, I'd like to propose that I trade a sticker of me for one of each of you. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So listeners understand we actually did four different stickers this time. As opposed to one last time. Like five. Oh, five, five actually. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So number one, there's a general, nice, harmonious gentleman podcast sticker. Multi-purpose, multi-use, multi-great. New color. New color. Well, more emphasized color, I guess. More emphasized color. But then it's we orange. also... <laughs> yeah. Hey! <laughs> we also have our own individual stickers for each of us. Yeah. Uh, of Chris's drawings. Sketches, which are amazing. So we each have those. And then we have another... That is a larger three by three inch with all three of our faces. And that's a specialty one there. So if you run into us, ask us. We'll be happy to give you some stickers. Cool. What if I don't want your faces on my water bottle? Well, we do have one that does not have our faces on it. Okay, perfect. (laughs) Well, thanks thanks for nothing, man. (laughs) There's lots of other things you could put it on. Like your phone. Mm. Yeah. Shower head. Books. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. <laughs> I recommend a band. Thanks, Tyler. Great recommendation. <laughs> yeah. um, they're called the Paper Kites. Um, yeah, just they've been around for a while. There's nothing new, nothing crazy. It is really new this week. Really wonderful music. Um, in particular, uh, there's a song that you should check out. And if you like this song, then listen to the band. It's called Electric Indigo. It's a pretty popular song. So this is not like an indie hidden classic, but. Electric Indigo by Paper Kites. Check it out. It's awesome. Paper Kites. I'll check that out. Yeah. Thanks, Graham. I need some new tunes. Uh, I'm going to recommend a weird combination of food to try. 
just following this little diet thing. And there was uh, the recommendation to have a rice cake with Miracle Whip and an oh. egg, a cooked egg oh, with a piece of so bacon. Bad. It sounds disgusting. Yeah, it does. And try, I'm having it for breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> I had it every day this week and it is delicious. How do you cook the egg? Over easy. Okay. But I also like poaching eggs. So, okay. so it's just a, instead of toast, you're having a rice cake. Rice cake. Okay. could be flavored like white cheddar or uh, yeah, something like sun-dried that. Tomato. Dry, yeah, sun-dried tomato. Then a little like half a tea- tablespoon of Miracle Whip. Mm. Cooked that's egg, piece of bacon. Does it sort of like fit into all the cracks of the rice cake? You I don't I mean like just I just kind of plop it on there yeah. and then put the egg on. But, yeah. And I can't tell you the the taste combo of an egg with Miracle Whip. Who would have thought that would work? It's delicious. Oh, that's, well, I mean, an egg and Miracle Whip sounds pretty good. It's just that rice cake. I can't. Oh, quite. to me, it's the Miracle yeah, Whip. Yeah, throws I, me the off. It's weird. Whip. I had the exact same thought and then I tried it and was like five days in a row. I ate that for breakfast. This is like the food equivalent of the Rings of Power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Give it a use, try. Could we use lard instead? That sounds more appealing than uh, Miracle Whip. Lard? <laughs> I mean, you could. No, I'm just making an example <laughs> that I hate Miracle Whip. Oh, I passion. Like, to be fair, I, I actually could see this maybe working. I'll try it out. I think I'm. I trust you. I'll try it. Okay. Peter, will you try it as well? <laughs> no, no, no I. No. Why don't you, <laughs> listeners? He is throwing up in his mouth. <laughs> What do you got, Peter? Uh, my recommendation is uh, a musician, uh, Rufus Wayne. Are you serious? Yes. Nice. Yeah. I've had him on at my house all weekend, nonstop. Well, Crazy. Well, I've been. I haven't listened to him for twenty every, years, but I did like him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been in school lately, and so every paper writing assignment that I've had, I've been listening to his music, and it's just been wonderful. So yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, my favorite song of his is "Go or Go Ahead," so I do mm-hmm. recommend that. I heard Tom Power on Q interviewing Robbie Williams this week, and they talked. They brought up Rufus Wainwright and talked about it. It was really cool. Good recommendations, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know what time it is, guys. It's time for a harmonious conversation. And Peter has brought uh, the topic to us tonight. Peter, why don't you give us a three-word teaser? Oh, man, you didn't give me any warning for this. <laughs> no, nope, that's how we do this. How about a two-word teaser? How about, I don't care how many words it is. <laughs> I I just pray that you'll like it. Okay. (laughs) This harmonious conversation is brought to you by 5024 General Store. Skateboards, coffee, community. Visit them online or in beautiful downtown Lacombe. Okay, so the topic we are doing tonight, uh, this isn't my basic uh, philosopher topic. Uh, we are going to be doing conversion therapy. So it'll be a very lighthearted discussion. Yeah. Lots of fun. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. are you converting us to? Yeah. You, you know, atheism. I didn't know if I could joke about it because I was going to say that too, but then I was like, this is too serious. <laughs> I, I want as many jokes as possible. Okay. With, you know, with I wasn't joking. So. <laughs> Dead serious. Okay. I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> So this is this is a topic that I wanted to bring up. So it's uh, not a topic that the gentlemen have asked me to bring up. I want to make that clear mm-hmm. so people didn't think I was forced into this. Mm. Was I? <laughs> I hope not. Just manipulated over a long period of time. Yeah. <laughs> but I I think I wanted to bring this up for a couple of reasons uh, because like. 
And like this has been a big part of of my life, and I like the um, having an emphasis on stories. Uh, but this is something that's been coming up a lot this past year, especially. So mm-hmm. like with the conversion therapy uh, ban that the uh, federal government uh, has, like this conversation has been coming up a ton, especially among more uh, religious, uh, uh, not even just religious, more conservative circles. Like, uh, I've had so many encounters uh, uh, this past summer, especially when I went to the States, actually, where people were like, oh, how how is it being a pastor in Canada? Like, like, do you feel threatened that you're going to go to jail? And at first I thought it was because of COVID restrictions, uh, but mm-hmm. people were actually referring to this conversion therapy bill. Um, so sorry, uh, why, because they assumed you were in favor of conversion therapy? No, no. So not everybody actually knows my story, which I do not know. So not everybody knows I'm gay. Um, but, uh, it was in their mind, a pastor who's preaching the Bible is going to end up in jail because of this conversion therapy bill. Right? Oh, okay. Mm. And there was there was some of that here too, and it was happening. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely heard that here too, and I've also like have heard. I wrote down some comments I've heard about conversion therapy this year. So it's mm-hmm. like, so yeah, banning conversion therapy is just a way to attack religious freedom, uh, or it's not a real thing, or it wasn't actually harmful, or that's just woke. So sorry, no. what what wasn't a real thing? That conversion therapy wasn't a real yeah. thing. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I've heard all of those in the past year. Yeah. From various people in different circles. Yeah. And and some of them knew about my experiences in conversion therapy. Some didn't. Um, when you have those conversations with people who say something like, it's just woke, do you... Do you talk about your story in response to that? Well, that's the that's the hardest thing because like they bring it up. They say it's woke because I bring it up. It's just like, why do LGBTQ issues have to be brought up all the time? Or why does this have to be brought up all the time? And it's like, like, how do you explain that? Like, this is my story. Like, it's. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Can I can I ask you a question just because it keeps coming up. Some listeners might not know what it is. So is it possible to define that or is that happening later? Yeah, that's a really, you'll learn more later, but that's a very good question. Like a quick definition is it does have multiple names. Like conversion therapy seems to be the go-to one, but growing up, I actually always called it reparative therapy. Um, And uh, reparative therapy and conversion therapy technically are, different but they're most of the time are used interchangeably where it's uh, uh therapy practices or religious practices to change somebody's orientation from gay to straight or if somebody um uh has a gender dysphoria of of some sort to to correct those issues um and so it's like reparative therapy is usually used more for the uh, more professional, not really professional, but professional counseling practices, more mm-hmm. of a, um, yeah. Like it therapy. sounds, it sounds more medical. Yeah. Like, and, and conversion therapy is normally used for more religious versions like belief. of that. Yeah. Yeah. A reparative almost sounds like way more negative in, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. repairing We're something. We're going to repair what's broken here. Right. Yeah. Whereas conversion, yeah. I mean, whatever, it's the same thing, but. 
So in general, the idea is by going through this, these steps or these interventions, a mm-hmm. person's sexuality can be convinced otherwise. Yeah, like it's normally be- like people who take this approach believe that somebody's orientation is developed. Well, it's developed. It's not, there's no uh, genetic involvement. Um, it's all the environment that the person was raised in. So normally for uh, a gay male, it's because they're too attached to their mother, not attached enough to their father. They don't have any male friends. Um um, and so like, uh, these important developmental factors, uh, brought about somebody's orientation. And then is the idea there's like, follow these 12 steps and well, there, or, there was a group, uh, I hope it's no longer existing called homosexuals, homosexual anonymous, uh, which is a 12 step program oh. for, for that. Oh, wow. So, uh, uh, that wasn't, you know, I was going to say that wasn't too popular of a group, but they actually did have some traction, so I, yeah. yeah. So this Canadian bill, um, like federal, like it's it's it for every province, like it was for the whole country. Mm-hmm. What was it like? Was it specifically against like in, like practices that did this, or like well, what did it actually ban? So I plan on talking about that later. Okay. So we'll we'll hold that sure. one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When I was, I don't know. When I was reflecting on this though, because like. I, I want to like be able to like persuade people to not be for conversion therapy or to actually take it seriously or, or something of that sort. And so like one of the things I've been thinking about, like maybe I've been focused on just trying to inform people of the harms that it causes. And I'm, I'm trying a different tactic, like, uh, more of a, um, empathetic approach here of like why people feel defensive about um bans on conversion therapy what do they think is good about it yeah Mm -hmm. like rather rather than arguing like points about it yeah though i'm still gonna argue points but i want to i i and this is tough for me to do but i i think this is probably more effective of like why people are so protective of Mm -hmm. it like do you think it's like it signals to them like I remember back when Trudeau first became prime minister, I remember I had a student talking to me about like he was scared that their Bibles were going to be taken away from them. Like this kid was act, like legitimately worried about that. And I kept saying, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen, but it just feels kind of like that. It feels almost like it's just something to be worried about. Now it's actually happened. <laughs> like it's, it's actually like something that is literally it's a law. Um, do you think that like, like do you think there is danger in the government banning something like that? Like, is that overstepping a bound or like they need to do that? Does that, does that make sense? That, that does. And that's a also conversation that I want to, okay. want to have later. <laughs> we'll just uh, what conversation do you want to have right now? <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should tell us what you want to yeah, talk about. Yeah, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be planning these things. So no, it's okay, man. It's okay. But it's like when, when I think, when I think about conversion therapy, like one of the things that does throw me off every time is I actually truly believe that a lot of people who have promoted conversion therapy and some people who still promote it now are doing it of the right intentions. Like, do you think that's possible? Like, can you do the wrong thing, but for the right reasons kind of, what do you, is that what you're asking? Or like, uh, can like you, you, you actually believe that like God wants you to not be gay. 
And if you actually believe that, or, then you're okay with the process. Or I, you're I'm, like, I'm actually thinking like uh, uh, people actually care about gay people because that's one thing so, that I've heard too. Mm-hmm. Like, is it possible to care about gay people? And what do you think? Well, I want to hear what you guys think. <laughs> yeah, I think I, you can care about somebody and be misdirected in how you help. I think that happens a lot in not yeah. just this circumstance, but all kinds of ways that maybe you either don't know what, how to help or you're unsure of what is right or wrong in an area, but your heart is that you, you actually are, what's the word convicted that this is the truth. So because out you're acting out of that conviction and out of love, uh, even I, though you might be wrong. I think that's possible. I think it's possible with talking general terms that like your heart can be, you actually believe you are helping even though your actions are harming. Like I, in general terms, I agree with that statement, but when it comes to conversion therapy and what I know about it, I'm quite cynical or I'm, have a hard time applying that to that situation. Like people who are for conversion therapy, I have a hard time like believing that believing they love- that they actually care for the the people that they are sending to these programs it's more i think yeah i don't know i just feel like it's it's based on but then yeah but now i might argue with myself here but i like, like a, i got to be honest i like when you do that <laughs> <laughs> like they may it's based on their belief about the way people should be right and they they believe that someone is I would say they believe people are like uh, gay people are broken and they want them to be fixed. And that to me doesn't sound like they have the gay person's interests in mind, Hmm. but I think someone could spin it to say, I want you to be fixed for your own good. But I'm cynical when I hear people speak that way, like using phrases like it's for your own good. You should go through this painful process because you'll be, it'll make you a better person. Like that quite often what if yeah, that I'm person just believes I don't, I don't everybody's believe broken? Then why aren't they going to a something well, that's going to drastically change the way they are? They might have, or you know, that could be their argument. I don't know. Like I had to go through these tough things to fix myself, and this is what's going to help you. I don't know if that is the argument, but yeah, I don't know. I roll my eyes at that. Like I, I did literally roll my eyes at that. <laughs> just for my <laughs> listeners, he did. Yes, but I, I think you hit at something really important there, though. Like, like me I think, or Chris. Uh, how about both? But I was thinking Tyler. <laughs> I I rolled my eyes at that. <laughs> I I think a lot of a lot of people um, in interest in helping out the gay person think that the way to help out is make the gay person like them. Yeah, yeah, and like fundamentally, I I think that's a flawed approach, like uh, in a harmful approach. But it it makes sense why people think that way though because like mm-hmm. it, with like non-serious issues i think that way where it's like i think people should do things my way and it's uh right. like you you prefer similarity over differences but with something like this it should be more interested the person should be more interest interested in respecting the difference celebrating the difference but the whole point of conversion therapy is make gay people like straight people mm-hmm. Thank you.
for this segment, I'm going to share a bit of my story uh, in conversion therapy, but I'm also going to have a bit of show and tell too. So this is okay. this is going to be exciting. So yeah. we'll we'll see how this goes. Though it's a podcast, so that's kind of a downside. We'll we have an Instagram. Describe it. Yeah, yeah. 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 we can take a picture. Emphasize as you're the doing tell it. part. <laughs> <laughs> So, (laughs) so, um, conversion therapy for me, it's, it's interesting. It's hard to know exactly when it began because there's a sort of like culture and mindset that's been built within like segments of, um, evangelical culture, uh, with, with conversion therapy. So like, um, I, my first encounter, I'm pretty sure my, uh, first encounter was the book, every young man's battle, which is just absolute rubbish and everybody should burn it. Mm. Uh, but it was a, a book on how to like remain sexually pure. And, uh, it's at the end of the book, there's like one chapter and not even a chapter, like a paragraph on homosexuality and it gave resources to um, Exodus International, which was the big ex-gay organization at the time. So, Which is a conversion therapy organization? Yeah. 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 So ex-gay um, is also another term for conversion therapy or how people identify themselves after they've gone through conversion therapy. Um, at one point in time, I had a little pin that said X gay is okay. I don't know what happened to oh, that. Boy, and I'm a wow. little disappointed that I lost that one. Of, wow. It's a little troubling now that I think about it, but it's, I think it's kind of funny too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that was like, like my first encounter with it. And, um, there were a lot of these organizations had online presence as well. And remember, this was 05 or actually, no, at this time was probably 02 or 03. There years was ago, yeah. already like an online presence with a lot of these organizations. So like I got involved in an organization based out of Texas uh, uh, that was uh, um, had a lot of online forums and resources and whatnot by a guy named Ricky Chalet, which uh, if you've ever seen the Netflix documentary Pray Away, he's like a main character, not a good person. Um, are you a kid at this time, Peter? Like, are you connecting with this on your own? Yeah, yeah. So this was before I came out to my parents. I was probably in grade six or seven, so quite young, hmm. um, probably grade seven. But yeah, so I was involved in these uh, um, forums and online sources, and I actually had a desire to like um, go to in-person meetings. Like, it's uh, it's interesting when you're going through it, you don't see the harmful practices or teachings or whatnot, and so. But to go to an in-person meeting, I had to get permission from my parents and. Um, so that required me coming out to them. So that was in the ninth grade that I came out to them and got involved in a local Exodus ministry after that. Um, and not long after that, I went to an Exodus conference. So they would have yearly conferences that, um, they would, there'd be about a thousand people at these conferences. Huh. So a decent, wow. decent size. Uh, the first one I went to was in, 
uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, at a Baptist conference center there. And the second one was at Indiana Wesleyan University. And so I was one of the youngest people there, actually, if not the youngest. Um, like I actually had to get special permission um, from the president of Exodus, Alan Chambers, to like actually go to one of these oh. things. Uh, I had a conversation with him a, a couple years ago, and he remembers giving that hmm. permission. You talked to him a couple years ago. Yeah, <laughs> it was that was. Uh, uh, if you phone him up just to say well hello, he or? actually contacted me um he's been mm -hmm. kind of doing this uh, sort of apology tour uh, ever since exodus wow. has closed down and that was actually a very healing experience wow um but yeah so these uh conferences they had a lot of uh younger people there i was the youngest but they had a lot of people who were um uh yeah 18 19 young adult age there i was uh i think 15 or 16 at the time so and you were excited to be there i well i was yeah i guess i guess you could say that yeah. because like i think for a couple things at that time i believe that like orientation could actually change because they would spend all this time emphasizing testimonies and and uh, uh stories of people experiencing orientation change and I, yeah, I was excited to be there. That was also my first time meeting other gay people too. So that was a, a really, that aspect was really precious to me. Like uh, um, actually being with other gay people and uh, yeah. So the, was the general feel like, like summer camp, like everybody's excited and it's like, like that kind of atmosphere or is it like, were we, you know, we're here cause we've got a, change or what what it, what was the f tone so among the younger people it was more of an excited tone in some respects they actually separated the younger people from the older people quite a bit um so mm -hmm. i don't know what the tone was for for that group of people and a lot of the uh people who funny i said older because they're in their 30s and 40s like my age now mm -hmm. uh but uh um a lot of those people were married and were dealing with totally different issues, mm -hmm. uh, at, at the time. So they separated the, uh, the youth into a whole separate conference in many ways, but a lot of it was like, uh, felt like a evangelical conference where you have worship in the morning and a speaker and worship in the evening and a speaker and a whole bunch of workshops throughout the day. So part of the show and tell hey. listeners, Peter is picking up a book of some uh, sort. Might be a pamphlet. It, yeah. So, Wow. I, you guys are probably the only other people who will probably look at this. Now, this is, it's got Exodus branding. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want you, I only have two of these, uh, thank goodness, but uh, <laughs> I don't want you to actually like try to read my own handwriting because I do have some handwritten notes. So I want you to skim over that. But this will give you like an idea of what some of the workshops were like uh and so like the the workshops um, can you read a couple a couple titles to us oh yeah let's see uh the journey through lesbianism part one i how I many wonder, parts i i have no idea okay. I, I didn't <laughs> attend that one uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or or uh healing the father wound that's for men mm-hmm 
Um, oh, here's the journey through lesbianism part two. Okay. <laughs> uh, so there's two parts. Um, Decent branding on that thing. Yeah. Very colorful. Female sexual compositivity. Wow, I can't even say that. But they, Hmm. uh, that's actually a big thing that, like, uh, they thought that, yeah, orientation to the same sex was a result of a lot of sexual compulsive behavior. Hmm. Uh, So a lot of it, um, like, so you'll, you'll, if you dig into their stuff, they talk about masturbation a ton. Mm-hmm. Like it is kind of insane of how much they obsess about it. Um, and so they see that as a sort of uh, behavior that influences somebody's uh, sexual orientation. And, and I'm like, if that was the case, there'd be a lot of gay people, but um, <laughs> wait, did I say that out loud? Uh, <laughs> so they say if you, if you masturbate a lot, that will, that will, you- a, a part of it, the compulsive wow. yeah, behavior. Um, oh, this is uh, Jonathan and David building healthy same-sex relationships. Um, so can, that picture this, on the front. I'm sorry. Is that are they serious with that? I mean, come on. Here you go. Look at it, Peter. Is this like was this like pseudo scientific? Like was there like are they connecting this to like work psychiatrists or well, here's here's the thing sociologists are it doing actually started in the field of psychology like okay. it did not start in the church um and one of the founders was uh, joseph nicolosi um and uh so so it's important to realize that this was practiced for a bit of time but eventually the American Psychological Association said this, this was harmful and this practice was uh, highly discouraged. But um, by this point, churches started taking a lot of these practices. They kind of glammed onto it. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's... When would that timeline have been? Like, when did it? When did psychological, like the psychological believe, world promote it? Uh, I believe the APA uh, started discouraging it in 71 or 73. I, okay. I can't remember exactly the, the year for that. So quite a long time ago. Yeah. A question. I'm just reading this pamphlet. It's uh, there's a lot here. Um, did Canada ban this kind of convention? Cause this isn't actually therapy is these are just sessions. So could, could they hold this convention in Canada right now? No. Okay. No, okay. which is wonderful. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I was curious. Okay. Yeah. Though like a lot of, it's kind of crazy. This was in the States, but I remember, um, it's horrible. I didn't really know anything about Alberta when I was younger. So the first Albertan I met was, uh, um, at that conference, actually, that oh. was, that pamphlet was from the 06 conference in Marion, uh, Indiana. And so like, if you watch that Netflix pray away film, they show a lot of clips from that conference. I was looking for you. Well, I watched it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I couldn't find myself. So (laughs) I think I saw the back of my head, but that's... uh, A lot of these sessions have to do with parents. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of parents there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The way they would kind of distinguish from a family member, from a gay person, is they would actually uh, uh, ask if you're a struggler or not. So... Mm -hmm. um, And you have a different color wristband or something. (laughs) Struggler (laughs) A rainbow colored band. That would be. <laughs> you don't get breakfast with that band. But is this the actual conversion therapy, or this is just like information sessions? 
it's this is more information sessions uh but they're though though those two things do start to blend together um after after a bit the hardcore conversion therapy thankfully i i wasn't a part of were the residential treatment programs oh, like wow. uh, love and action uh, was a big big one is this still going on in the states uh in some states, there are bans in some states, uh, but some states, this is still practice. Okay. Yeah. I'll just read one session. Uh, 3C at one thirty. Escaping the Gatrix. <laughs> I remember which, that one. Which is like the movie. That, <laughs> much like the characters in The Matrix, many of us have lived in a false reality, so it's called Escaping the Gatrix. Oh, the Gatrix. <laughs> and, and that one was wow. directed toward youth specifically, I'm sure. pretty sure. Shocker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, this is a good read. Uh, 12 Steps to Ex-Gay Survival. Hmm. Hmm. So when you look back on this experience, Peter, at, at this conference, at the end of it, how did you feel? You'd seen these speakers. You'd, you'd, you'd taken these notes. You'd met other gay people. On your way home, how did you feel? Did you feel hopeful? My first conference, uh, so this was 2005 in Asheville, um, I felt very hopeful. Like I actually felt excited uh, at the end because like I spent uh, a week hearing all these testimonies and hearing uh, people who've experienced these changes. And it was, yeah, it was a really uplifting experience. Um, it, it was the second conference. So the one at, um, in Marion, Indiana. Um, and between this time, remember I was involved in the local ministry too. Yeah. Um, but the, the second conference is I would describe it at the end of it. I thought I wasn't even sure if I was a Christian anymore. So my faith mm. was completely, uh, disintegrated at the end of that. Well, I shouldn't say completely because I'm so Christian, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I keep on wondering if I should like destroy this finally, because most of my Exodus things I've gotten rid of. So I don't know why I still have these things. Mm. Um, but like I had to get scholarships in order to go, uh, to, to this, uh, because, uh, my family didn't have the money for it. So I had to write a short little blurb for their newsletter oh my uh, goodness. Oh. that I totally lied. You, you'll see little boxes there. Um, and you'll see Peter from Michigan. <laughs> what do you mean you lied though? Re- go oh, ahead and oh, read it. <laughs> I'll read it. This is from June 26, 2007. I'm a teenager and lacked a job. So the scholarship helped me to go to the conference. The FC was key in helping me with my relationship with God. Definitely one of the most life-changing experiences. <laughs> wow. Is that your actual quote? That's my actual quote, but I lied because like oh. uh, they gave us, that was a requirement for giving us uh, money that we had to. So like, you hadn't been yet? That was after I, that was after I went, uh, but it was not a, or it was a life changing experience. That's sort of the negative. Like, right. uh, yeah. um, but, but at, they, at the time though, you were writing it so that you could go to their programming, right? This was after their programming. Like, so I received the scholarship before I wrote the thank you letter. Oh, I see. It yeah. is like conditional that you yeah. write this afterwards. Yeah. I see. And so, yeah, I haven't actually looked in that newsletter in a while. Is there anything interesting? Uh, the executive vice president of Exodus looks a lot like Matt Damon, <laughs> Randy Thomas. He, he's actually a really kind person. He's, I, 
I rem- yeah. I'm sorry. I I, I don't need to cut you off. I remember that movie uh, Pray Away. There was mm-hmm. quite a few people involved in this who were doing what you said the apology tour. Like they yeah. had since realized what they were doing was very damaging. And so quite a few of these people are are, are those. I, mean, I don't remember yeah. the names, but yeah. Oh, a lot of them are in that um, Netflix film. What do you think happened? I mean, they were so they believed so strongly in this mission for so many years. What did they sort of see? the hopelessness of what they were doing. They couldn't have seen a lot of good results. No. And this is one of the strangest things that has taken me a long time to wrestle with because like most of the leaders, not all of them only like, yeah, there's only like one or two that I question really question their integrity. Uh, most of them that I've met, uh, I do not doubt their intentions, yeah. uh, what they, that, um, and their integrity. Like, I truly think that they wanted to do good things and it always has caused a lot of conflict. It, it It's taken like more stepping back to realize that they were in a trap as, as well, because so much, so much of this their jobs, their livelihoods were supported by a lot of uh, evangelical organizations like Focus on the Family and uh, uh, what uh, Focus on the Family said, uh, Exodus really followed. Like they, Those two were really closely tied together. The Republican Party uh, was very influential on in what Exodus did. Um, really? The, they they used Exodus quite a bit for like uh, their defense of marriage bills, especially uh, Proposition Eight in California uh, before uh, same sex marriage was legalized, and so it became a political arm of the Republican Party too. So like a lot of these people had the um, these pressures uh, from these wider movements. Is Exodus they're they're done? They're done. I can't remember what year they they close there's uh, no form of exodus anymore uh there a lot of the remaining ministries that wanted to exist they reformed a separate organization called the restored hope network mm-hmm. and that's still going but it's much smaller than what mm-hmm. exodus was okay So at the end of the last segment there, I wanted to ask a question. Um, you mentioned that these kinds of conferences and uh, therapy is still legal in certain states, which to me means that there are people who, who want this, right? And, th- and then I, I guess that it also leads me to think that in countries where or countries or states where it's not legal, there are people who want it, want it legalized and they, they kind of want more of this kind of programming, which leads me to wonder, um, are the people fighting for these programming? Like, are they themselves gay wanting like for themselves to be quote unquote fixed or are they straight people who want to fix others? Listeners and people in the room probably can see that how this connects to my previous concern about, whether or not the intentions behind this is positive, like that there's good intentions behind these programs. So I know that was a little rambly, but like, 
the people who want these programs, are they themselves the people being served by these programs? This is a wonderful question with some layers to it. So most, most of the people that I've talked to in the past year, or I shouldn't say most in the past year, all the people that I've talked to have been straight that have been pushing this, but I've met people, gay people in the past that really wanted to participate in conversion therapy. Now, if you put yourself in the context in this situation where everybody in your family and your society and your church expects you to like, if you're a man to marry a wife, to have uh, kids, um, if they see that, uh, um, being gay is, uh, um, is a sin. Uh, if they like, uh, highly value, um, uh, church, uh, and, and they see being straight as being a part of church, uh, the gay person who's in that setting, who also deeply loves that setting and wants to have that dream of having uh, a wife and kids, uh, all of that, they will, of course, want conversion therapy yeah. if they think that will actually solve the solve the problem. But that is where the harm truly comes in, though, uh, because if they're um, placing like uh, all of their hopes and dreams on this and then find out that nothing actually changes um there is that both that uh struggle that the, will develop with their faith uh but it's also like uh just um who they are as a person like the yeah. uh, the shame just increases all the more and i guess like the for the the person you just described and i think that would probably be even have been you yeah i would right? say that yeah like that your intention for these ministries was pure like it was like you it was the intention behind it was well intentioned the the it seems like today i find it hard to i get that those communities and that situation still exists but I feel I get frustrated because I feel like the people or the group of people that is most vocal about bringing the, like that was upset with the, the Canadian law mm -hmm. aren't those people in that, with that story. Yeah. That's, that's my frustration with it. Like the group that is not in like a, uh, like the straight conservative Christian or conservative person who wants this kind of programming to be legal. I feel like they should know better like by this point that this isn't solve, isn't fixing a problem that they think like fixing the quote unquote problem that they think exists, but they're still pushing for it. Though think, think of it this way though. And I, I agree with that. Like all of this is like incredibly like, like frustrating and it doesn't like, <laughs> but anyways, it doesn't make sense. Why, why, uh, uh, straight people, um, push these things. But, uh, the way reparative therapy has developed or conversion therapy, it's included a whole lot of faith practices now. 
Um, and it's, uh, especially within Pentecostal circles, this is, uh, um, a lot of those practices are included into this mm. therapy. So like for people who have a strong faith and equate conversion therapy as a form of sanctification within their faith, like it's not just, uh, therapy or the gay person anymore. It's connected with a wider faith structure that they can't really disconnect. Um, which is like one of the things I always try to push that this did not begin as a Christian practice. And that's why I push it. Like this is, uh, <laughs> this has only been around in churches since the seventies. Mm, and so it's right. as modern as it gets. And, uh, 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 churches can have a very sound theology without it. So yesterday, um, I was in Calgary for a banquet for Alberta gymnastics we were sitting at a table with people from Red Deer who were getting awards and they started the program with a land recognition and a person at our table, a parent kind of out loud. So the whole table could hear them went, Oh, not this crap again, blah, 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 like loud enough for everybody in vicinity to hear it. And it got, it made me it very upset. I didn't know what to do, but it also made me think I'm in a place where I'm surrounded by people who think differently than that. Usually. And I wonder that about this, like I'm just not exposed to people who think conversion therapy is okay. So when I kind of run up, when you're saying that that still exists in certain denominations, potentially, it's almost hard to believe Mm -hmm. like, oh, I thought it's almost like I thought that was settled. Like I didn't think that was still a thing, but Mm -hmm. like you're saying that you're running up this year, you're hearing conversations that that's going on. So I'm just wondering from a harmonious perspective, I didn't know what to do in the situation yesterday and I'm not trying to equate these two things, but when you're in a position, when you're sort of like, I don't even know how to approach this conversation. How do you do that? Like when you had these conversations, you mentioned, what was your response? One, it's, I always try to have as much patience as possible, which is the hardest thing to, to, to do. Um, I think always having a calm response is the best. Um, simply because people are used to like explosive reactions when this topic is brought up and maybe even looking for that. Yeah. I would not be surprised. Um, I think one of the things that's added, uh, confusion to this, um, is people often describe conversion therapy as praying the gay away, which in some respects it's accurate, But in other respects, it really ties conversion therapy in with religion. And so when that happens, what I try to do is I, in my conversations, I really try the best I can to separate the conversion therapy from theology. Like that's like, um, and my goal is to make as non-threatening as possible because when people feel like their religion is being threatened, it's, uh, you need to do this in a way that like, I'm not threatening your religion. And so I try to give details, um, that it's way more than just praying away, which actually that naturally leads into what I wanted to talk about. All right. That was all an intro for the real topic. this was this is a book growth into manhood that i had to read um it's interesting because when i looked at it 
I only highlighted things from the first chapter and then like it's uh, completely blank afterwards. So I'm like, I must have like really <laughs> lost interest. Um, but I, this book is kind of the go to book or was the go to book for conversion therapy. Um, and so I wanted to read some segments from this and just gauge your guys's reaction because this book really separates uh, conversion therapy from a lot of religious practices that people normally combine with it. When did this author apologize? <laughs> this, or have they? Maybe they're not doing this guy, I'm assuming they have. This guy, I don't know. And part of it too is actually, I don't think he has, but he, he was a, a psychologist. And so more on the, like he was a Christian, but he was more on the, uh, psychology side of things. And, uh, yeah, he, he wasn't officially a part of what's Exodus. the author's name. Ellen Mettinger. Ellen. Alvin. Oh, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let me, um, we will be looking at how much male homosexuality is at its core, a matter of undeveloped manhood. And how true healing requires that we grow, even as adults, into our manhood. We will look at how a boy usually grows into manhood and what went wrong with us. A central message of this book is that any man can grow into full, comfortable, complete manhood. I'll describe how this can happen even now. Guiding this will be two principles. The first is that every man has to go through certain developmental stages there's no real shortcut to growth. If we didn't go through these stages as boys, we will go through them now. The second principle is that manhood is to a great extent a matter of doing, and we'll grow into manhood by doing the things that men do. He talks about his manhood a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to know the stages to see what stage I'm in, but oh man. <laughs> This this is incredibly key uh, because they spent most of the time talking about this. Um, so, like, essentially, uh, because uh, there's the assumption that all gay men are close to their moms and distant from their dads. And because of this, <laughs> because of this, uh, uh, boys did not learn how to develop into men. And to add on to it, they didn't have male friends uh, um, uh, to learn what masculinity is from their peers. And so because of this stop in development, this sort of uh, delayed adolescence, uh, um, homosexuality is like where pre all pre-teenage guys are at. And then when they hit... Uh, puberty, they develop attractions of women, but because men were, uh, gay men were delayed in this development. They're like stunted. They're stunted. This is clearly not a scientific study of any kind. <laughs> no, I'm just wait, like, this wait, is what just, do you mean? <laughs> I mean, like, uh, clearly this, there's nothing, there's no research that backs any of this up. No. This is completely nonsense. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, this guy died in 2010. This author. Before oh. you can apologize. Having never apologized. So he probably would have by now. I, I I doubt it. No, I, he was he was one of the hardcore ones. Um, Some of this manhood stuff exists in a lot of circles, like separate from from the homosexuality topic, but just yeah. 
soy boys or like or just like not being manly enough or the real man is lost mm-hmm. joe rogan will talk about that like just like that kind of like attitude or like, yeah. where's, all, where's all the real men that which it reminds yeah, me so there's that. a co- cookie cutter like yeah hew your own wood and haul your own water and yeah plus also yep, like this emphasis that it's that it's really important to be to be a man first like that that's like ingrained in in society and then this guy has his own in your excerpt that's kind of what it's nailing it's uh pushing is like it's really important to be a man you've got to be a man and there's even steps to it yeah and then mm-hmm. here's how to do it right <laughs> which and if you miss step three yeah, you're not a man. Like, yeah, you're no. not a man. Yeah. Now here's the the exciting thing. That was like the least juicy of the material. Oh, is there more? Yeah. Oh boy. So, so that's just convinced me that I need to become a man. That's all that's happened. <laughs> Way ahead of you, buddy. <laughs> so, uh, one chapter in this, and this has stuck out to me. Um, uh, woman problems from the past. So breach. <laughs> so I'm not going to read this chapter, but I'm going to read the the subtitles. So one, the man is still bonded to his mother. So that's why gay men are gay. They're still mm. bonded to their mom. Uh, there's another chapter that uh, has the opposite for the dad. They're distant from their dad. Um, Part two or section two in the man's eyes, women have no values. So gay men don't value women, hmm. um, but they're, but they're too attached to them their mom, but yeah. they don't like their dad. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Like that fits. Okay. Uh, part three, a man has greater anger toward women. So the, so this part is more of like, uh, there's something that, uh, uh, women did to upset the the gay person quite a bit in their life that is push them to homosexual behavior. Sounds like a lot of straight men, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it really does. Like it also just sounds like angry men. Well, also, oh, you like men? That must mean you hate women. Like that's not that's not a what is? It's <laughs> just so dumb. It's like. Yeah, I think you're on to something like an know? infantile argument. Right. This like is a- like I I remember like really wrestling through this because I'm like none of this describes my life, mm-hmm. and that was probably where so much of it was just like fragmenting because I have a really good relationship with my dad and my mom, uh, and I'm not going to disconnect my relationship with my mom like that's stupid, um, and all my friends are male. You don't hate women. I don't hate women. Um, maybe I do subconsciously according to this thing. You but, must, there must be a number four that <laughs> yeah. you, you fit into. <laughs> uh, and so, so that's, uh, yeah. So like so much of it like relies on these sort of assumptions of, uh, hmm. or these horrible stereotypes of gay men, uh, because there's that stereotype that, uh, that's very true for some gay men that they are much closer to their moms, but that's not true for all gay men. And so, and it, straight, like, yeah, yeah. So, but let's get to the even more exciting stuff. Oh, wow. So, these are some bullet points on um, uh, why we should be pushing to have sexual fantasies about women. What? <laughs> 
Why we should. Are there, pic- should. Are there pictures in this part of the book? No, there aren't. I'm a... Show and tell. So, <laughs> so being sexually attracted to women is an integral part of manhood and an overcomer, so the gay person, who has these feelings will grow in his identity as a man. Heterosexual thoughts can be a replacement for homosexual thoughts. Oh, it's just that easy. Yeah. Uh, The process of seeking to develop sexual desires for a woman could reveal certain blockages uh, that might not otherwise turn up until a man is married, and this could be disastrous. Having (sighs) even a limited sexual attraction toward women could greatly speed up the day when a man will spot that one special woman, woman whom God has chosen for him. He would be much more apt to be looking for her. So that's why gay men should really try to uh, uh, have um, sexual uh, thoughts about women. Which, to be I, fair, you've never tried that, Peter. I, I don't even. You know should. How. <laughs> you should watch House of the Dragon. Um, sorry, like I don't, I don't mean to be like cynical and, but this book just sounds like shit. Like it's written poorly. It just doesn't make. It just sounds like nonsense to me. Is that? Well, like, well, well, like the 15-year-old Peter, we're only reading the subheadings. That's true. <laughs> no offense to this poor deceased man. I just, but. But, but you always have to place these things into context. Yeah. So if somebody's desperate, yeah. like... Yeah, I, I, should, I don't mean it in that, in that way. I just... I just it, it feels like ridiculous. somebody with, a, with, a tr- with barely a knowledge and just like, this is what I think. And now it's a book. Like I knew one gay person who didn't like his dad. Right. And so now I wrote a book about all, I don't know. Yeah, and they must hate women. Yeah. Because you have more sticky notes jammed in there, Peter. Uh, these are short sections. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to this, though. I I just enjoyed these quotes because of how ridiculous and horrible and harmful they are. So it's a... Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it is hard to picture how any boy growing growing through adolescence could come to a desire a woman sexually without having at some point pictured in his mind that it must be like to have sexual intercourse with a woman. So you see again he's connecting manhood with being a <laughs> yeah, having sexual thoughts as a little boy for women. Yeah. Okay. One one of the things I remember uh, at Exodus and the local ministries is this, like, struggle, be, like that I had and that the other gay people had of like what masculinity is because th- this entire world was developing a definition of masculinity that was as far from us as it could possibly be, and the crazy thing is. In many ways, this matches definitions that, that some um, men, straight men, have. Like uh, they develop their entire understanding of masculinity about their relationship with a girlfriend or wife or something like that. Maybe to bring this whole conversation full circle. Uh, to where we began with the Canadian government's ban on conversion therapy. Just curious, Peter, if you have uh, maybe handy a summary of the of the bill. Oh, I've memorized it. Wonderful. <laughs> Just kidding. But anyway, I do have a summary. So the bill 
proposes to create four new offenses that would prohibit. And I think this is summary before it was passed, but causing another person to undergo conversion therapy, removing a minor from Canada to undergo conversion therapy abroad. Mm. That's a big one, actually. Um, Profiting from conversion therapy, promoting or advertising conversion therapy. There is more here. Um, yeah, so the proposed legislation would define conversion therapy as any practice, service, or treatment designed to change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual, gender identity to cisgender, or gender expression to match the sex assigned at birth, or designed to repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior or gender expression that does not match the sex assigned at birth or to repress non-cisgender gender identity. Is it maybe I missed it when you read the first four points, but it it I didn't hear that it's illegal to offer Yeah, that's kind of profit from it. So the like third one I think. Yeah, you can't force, you can't ship out of Canada to do it, you can't You can't advertise, advertise and you can't profit. But could you offer it? Like could could you still legally run a ministry like this? That well, you couldn't I'm, tell people about it and you couldn't charge money. So, it, yeah, I could see that's where they tried to. Yeah, I guess good question. Like, could yeah. you host it? And if people happen to walk in, is that a loophole? Well, I guess it allows for some. Yeah. Like if you if you did ban that. You would get a little stick, like even more sticky on like the religious freedoms, right? Like because I think it would be similar to other kinds of. Yeah, I don't know. Well, with it being like not like an actual legit or uh, official therapy, like maybe they thought they couldn't like outright ban it, but all those other things were things that conversion therapy ministries did. So like the advertising, um, that's a biggie. Like I remember seeing the Exodus advertisements uh, growing up of a change is possible on the billboard. Well, that's what creates the... Hmm like the desire for someone to attend, right? Like, well, that's obviously that's what, but that's mm-hmm. what creates the harm is like creating the, the belief that this could change things. And would a pastor talking about it from the pulpit be advertising? Well, the, the question that a lot of more um, conservative pastors I've talked to have is uh, uh, because they, they collect tithing, so they collect money. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is that tied to preaching? So are they getting paid for like preaching these messages? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, uh, though, <laughs> my immediate response to that though is, I'm like, it's perfectly fine to like. I never know a situation where a pastor would actually have to like preach those things I just read. But it happens. Like, yeah, is your sense that it's still going on in Canada, like, covertly? I hear stories, but I, I don't know if it is. Like, there there are some organizations I'm quite suspicious about that used to be Exodus organizations, but... That kind of think this way but, still, maybe? Well, did a name change, um, right. and it's really tricky because, like... Like one organization that I'm thinking of, uh, like has a statement that they do not support conversion therapy, but um, 
I one time went to a presentation that they had at a church and they had all this conversion therapy books there by like people mm-hmm. like Joe Dallas, who's a big leader in conversion uh, therapy. And, and it's just like, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm know that there's that sort of underground current that's happening. Not every Christian de- denomination was up in arms when the bill was being passed. How, Percentage-wise of, of Canadian sort of Christians, how many do you think are, are legitimately set by this? Or do you have any kind of... I don't think I that's have a possible? An okay, Yeah, I'm just that. curious, yeah. right? Like, I guess I don't know, and I'd love to know. Is it 5% of the most, you know, or is it 50%? In but general, yeah. though, was this kind of like a wave that, like, peaked in, like, the early 2000s and kind of has subsided, or...? Um, I thought so. I'm not... 100% sure anymore because like that, that pray away documentary on Netflix kind of ends the documentary by showing how prevalent this movement still is. Okay. Um, now I haven't done any research into that. I have no idea hmm. if, if they're being accurate there, but I have a feeling they might be because the rest of the movie was pretty darn accurate. So and they're a big, powerful, rich group. You know, they didn't just go away overnight. Well, and they were like, we need to understand too, at the time they were so mainstream, like they were on the view. Like I actually remember seeing, uh, the, Hmm. the youth director of Exodus on the view as uh, a middle schooler. And so, (laughs) so like this, uh, bill bans that sort of thing, which is wonderful. Like that probably influenced a lot of my thinking. So is it safe to say that conversion therapy is nonsense, Peter? Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say. Okay. Yeah. And when you look back on your, on your time at those conventions, <laughs> do you think that helped you in, in the probation of who you are today? Do you think that those experiences taught you a lot? Or do you kind of regret going to those things? Hmm. I've thought about this one quite a few times. I don't really have an answer uh, because it did cause a decent amount of pain um, and probably messed me up for years uh, uh, in in many respects. Mm -hmm. Uh, But (laughs) like after my second year of like Exodus, both a conference and the uh, local ministries, uh, when I thought my faith was just done, um, I went to Bible college as a result of that. And that's when I actually got into studying and reading and, and theology and history and like, like almost every aspect, like of who I am right now, like the, um, that, that, um, academic, um, aspect of my life was formed by that. Uh, I was not, uh, into theology really a whole lot before all this happened. I wasn't, uh, uh, into research before this happened. Like, uh, so, so much of my, uh, personality that I deeply love and appreciate was formed by that. So that's why I really don't have, um, an answer there. Do you have anything, Peter, kind of in closing? Because you chose the topic. You want us to talk about this tonight. Um, 
Why? Why did you want us to talk about it? To give me time to think. Why do you think that I wanted to, <laughs> <laughs> guys to talk about it? <laughs> I, I, th- I think as a topic it's important because it's kind of a portal into, like it's a specific. It's like it's, it's easy to be taught a certain thing about certain groups of people and to believe things that you were taught. But like this is like an actual program or series of conventions or like books that you can point to that show the potential damage. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can, it's an experience you can learn from and teach from. Mm-hmm. So I just, I think it's important in that sense that you just, it's, it's an on the ground, like here's what this rhetoric actually ends up with. Like here's what it actually, here's the bottom line when it comes down to it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a topic that's, I think we should talk about it because it's, it's difficult to talk about. And that's kind of what we want to do on this podcast. And I think it's healthy for people to do to try to talk about tough things, but to do it in a positive way. But kind of like you were saying, Graham, it, it's not just a um, an idea that you can debate or or discuss. Like conversion therapy is a it's a part of pe- people's experience. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a very real thing. And I wonder, Peter, if you part I don't know this, but like you bringing it up. It, it's something that you you went through, and the tough things that we go through end up adding up to, you know, future decisions and creating kind of who we are. And so, the fact that you are are able to share from your experience and be honest and open about it, I think makes it uh, possible, you know, for me to think, and hopefully for other people to think, what hard things have I been through that I could talk about or learn from or be honest with, with other people like that takes a bravery, I think. And I think I love all those answers. Uh, I think my answer to this, I still don't have an answer to the timing question necessarily. Like probably it's just, I probably did just reach a sort of boiling point uh, where I was frustrated, but part of it or not part of it, the, the main reason why is like, even though I've been mentioning my experiences of conversion therapy more, like actually sharing those things from that pamphlet with, with people I've never done. Um, like there's a sort of freeing experience to that or, so this is just a really elaborate show and tell or, or more, more like you guys are free therapy and uh, not of the conversion type. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, like, like I've, I mentioned, um, mm. I don't know why I still like have these uh, things and a part, like I've been thinking like, should I get rid of them? And I actually might do that now. Mm. Like, it's just like, like just kind of like, that's a part of my life that I just want to be done with. Mm. Um, like I know I'll never be able to completely separate myself uh, from it, but it's just like, like, yeah, I'm, I'm in a totally different spot now than I was back then. And it's, uh, um, (laughs) and I've experienced, uh, um, yeah, a lot of, I don't want to say healing, uh, from it because healing is kind of like a, a sort of traumatic word in one sense, (laughs) because that's the word that they always use, but Mm -hmm. I can't think of an alternative. Like maybe freedom or a freeing. Well, they were called freedom conferences. Sorry. Okay. uh, I apologize. Like, uh, (laughs) 
also also the word struggle uh, uh, releasing uh, same sex attracted uh, you know releasing oh actually yeah. maybe not that one yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll brainstorm here yeah that's <laughs> i'm just gonna shut up <laughs> uh peter thanks a lot for that conversation i think what chris said is true it's uh yeah it takes courage to share their story and i think it's extremely valuable so thank mm. you yeah thanks for letting me share and before we head home for the evening we should spend some time in confession with each other at peter's house peter's confession um i'll start um i'm from bc you guys know this. I grew up as a Vancouver Canucks hockey fan. You know this. Mm. This is a confession <laughs> to my fellow Canucks fans, uh-huh. um, friends or listeners who like the Canucks. Um, most of my friends here, good friends here, are Edmonton Oilers fans. Uh, you know, I've listened to it for a few years now. They're getting really good. You know, I, I sort of want them to do well because I want my friends to be happy, but there's always a part of me that thinks, like, I'd rather my team be the one that's doing sure. well. Totally you can't it. get away from that, right? No, um, I can try and be happy, but this year... I just, with the Oilers getting better and better, I thought, man, it's going to be, like, there's a good shot they win, the, they win a cup coming up here. And I'm, I might have mm. troubles with that. So my confession is that I I bet I put down $100 on the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup this year. Wow. And the payout is $1,500 if they do. Yeah. So cause... it's kind of like a cool little built-in way that I can sort of root for them anyway, huh. sort of uh, for my friends a little bit, but also for me if I get some cash. So that's my confession to Canucks fans who are my... They're going to hate you for this. I don't, will they? I think, I, I think there's a good or reason maybe it's for like it. a practical like, I mean, business decision. It's kind of like a mental practical kind of thing. Like it's just going to be easier for me to kind of like talk Sweet. to you guys they about how they're doing, right? And like they're doing yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. I should do that for Calgary because they might actually win the cup. That's true. Question. Yes. When is the Stanley cup? Well, the season just started. So it'll, oh. be, it'll be June. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the, but I, the odds come out. Like, it's it's not like a set date. It's no, and I had no idea that the season just started. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's good to know. Yeah. There yeah. you go. And, and if or, or when or if the Oilers win the Stanley Cup, you will be a new Oilers fan. And the conversion therapy will have been successful. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. I'm not convinced it'll work. That's the thing. I don't, I don't. I think I'll just take we'll the see. money and buy a Canucks jersey or something. You know, yeah. like that's, that's kind of cool. You know, just as just watch as many to... Oilers games as you can, yeah. and that will eventually change your your attraction. <laughs> it to doesn't. Work. I always flip back to Canucks highlights. <laughs> Connor, every McDavid, time. Connor McDavid highlights tonight. Go back. <laughs> I can watch them. It's fine, but I just prefer Sedins. Anyway. <laughs> oh, the Swedish twins. Peter, twins. you're next. <laughs> I, I just realized how much funnier this confession is going to be. Uh, this is my last <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so the, the gentlemen here, so this can uh, know this confession. So, mm. uh, so this is more for every, everybody else, but I won't go through all the reasonings, but, um, it's not because of all the conversion therapy jokes. Um, but, yeah. but no, it's, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed all the episodes I've done with you guys, so it's... Yeah. We appreciate you being here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've been on a lot of them, Peter. And I thought they're awesome. It was great to have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I hope people listen to the Kierkegaard one the most, but <laughs> <Yeah>. it's... <laughs> it's on repeat in my that house, was a favorite. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, well, my okay. confession is tied to the sermon that Peter preached this morning, which was about the eighth commandment, you shall not steal. And I get this little fantasy going when the um, Lotto Max Millions reaches $70 million. And you see these signs in like gas stations and like Circle K's and stuff. You know what the cost of the or the value of mm-hmm. the winnings would be. And not that I go buy tickets once in a while I have. So that might be a secondary confession. But I start to like imagine what would I do with all this money and how would I spend it? And what's, what's I probably first- do it too much. What's the first thing you, you would use the money for, do you think? A pay off my debt and my mm-hmm. family's debt. Nice. Which seems kind of boring, but then I would buy, oh yeah, I got all these plans. Houses would, in the different places and special cars. and It's so stupid. Nicer microphone for the podcast. <laughs> uh, a mic stand. I don't <laughs> mind my mic. More, uh, more stickers. Yeah. yeah. I would just go to the Lego store in my stead and just go crazy, I think. Be nice, my first kind of fun. See, like there's a lot of things now you can I'm doing do. it too. So is <laughs> gambling a form of stealing? No, maybe more coveting. But mm. but when you were, it just got me thinking today about it. All right, Ty, we're closing with you, man. Yeah, well, I'll confess that, uh, well, I, I drink a lot of coffee and that's kind of my confession. But the confession, I guess, is that I, I I'm fully aware that I'm addicted to a, a chemical substance, <laughs> caffeine, but I socially acceptable. I de- but it, it is socially, yeah. And uh, but I kind of play that card, like <laughs> I I lean into that that it's socially acceptable to justify drinking obscene amounts of caffeine in mm-hmm. a day. And I think part of me does want to cut back and drink less coffee, like get it down to a reasonable amount. But like, how much um, are you drinking? Well, more than five cups. Yeah. Like, are we talking just like the actual measurement cup or mugs? Like, cause I drink, I drink one right when I wake up kind of immediately. And then another one an hour later. And then I bring like a thermos to school, which is probably two or three cups. And then usually one in the evening too. So that's so five or six, five or six. Hmm. I know it could be, it could be more, but. And that caffeine's not doing anything to you, really. Like you're drinking it in the evening. No, no. Like, but I, there is a definitely a chemical addiction. Mm-hmm. Like, if you didn't drink it that. in a day, what would happen? Would you have headaches? Yeah, I get a headache if I if I miss the ones in the morning, or, and I get a pretty strong. Like anytime I eat a meal, when the meal's done, like I really want a coffee. Mm-hmm. Like I don't get that. I don't know if I would get a headache. Like I didn't actually have one after supper tonight, um, but I actually had a really. Um, good latte stout that probably had caffeine in it oh, yeah. um after supper but I, like it it sat that satisfied my like craving for like i need like a coffee after a mm. meal yeah we made decaf ty you guys were over and we made decaf sorry that wouldn't have helped you did you actually yeah yeah I, yeah. yeah it was all like almost no one had it i don't think people knew <laughs> <laughs> chris um people i think they love the podcast they sure do, and I they think, keep they keep getting a hold of us. They do, and one of the way they do that is uh, with the <laughs> with uh, our Gmail account, which is harmoniousgentleman at gmail dot com. But they're also all over our social media tie. Oh yeah, um, yeah, like Instagram, just yeah. as an example. I might do something here. If you email us your address, <laughs> we'll send you some stickers. Yeah, I'll do it. Okay. Yeah. Drive to their house or 
envelope. You know, if they're if they're if they're relatively, you know, driving distance, sure. But I'll also mail it anywhere you want. Okay. Okay. I like it. Nice. Do it, Peter. If you want a sticker, just give us <laughs> you your address. The show. <laughs> give us your address. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's about all, guys. Mm-hmm. We're on social media, Tyler. People know that already. Yeah. Yeah. We're. Peter, any closing media. thoughts for us here? <laughs> Are you going to have a uh, piano music playing in the background at this part? That's <laughs> I hear that. That's, that's not exactly the same. No. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. And always remember stay to- oh. hydrated. Chris, <laughs> <laughs> stay, stay healthy. All right. Stay <laughs> Harmonious. Harmonious. Harmonious gentlemen